we bring you to the darker side of investigations. This is the Investigation Guru Podcast with Sean and Nandana. Hello and welcome to the Investigation Guru Podcast. This is the official podcast for Red Door Investigations. My name is Sean and I'd like to thank everyone for taking a little bit of time out of their day and hanging out with us. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the Vanessa Guillen case. Uh, now if you haven't heard about Vanessa Guillen, she uh, has gotten a lot of media attention lately. A lot of people on YouTube, a lot of podcasters are really talking about her case. Uh, she was murdered earlier this year and uh, in a very heinous and brutal way, but uh, there are quite a bit of people who are really, really interested in the outcome of this case and wanting to get justice for Vanessa, and a lot of things are, are really happening on social media, and she's really, really gotten quite a bit of attention. A lot of support for her family, which is outstanding, and there are even some celebrities that have kind of jumped on the bandwagon and have started bringing a lot of attention to this case. So this is a really, really good thing. Uh, we're going to kind of talk about here in a minute how the Army and a lot of other people are probably covering up exactly what happened. So again, the more light and the more attention that we can bring to this case, uh, the better. All right, so Vanessa's early life. Uh, Vanessa was born on September 30th, 1999 in Houston, Texas. This would make her about 20 years old at the time of her passing. Uh, her parents were Rogelio or Rogelio and Gloria Guillen, and she had five siblings. She graduated in the top 15% of her class from Cesar E. Chavez High School in Houston in 2018. Uh, she played soccer, she loved to jog, and she was avid about sports and learning. She was a very happy and very active girl. After graduation from high school, she joined the Army in June of 2018 and was assigned to Fort Hood in Killeen, Texas. A year or so into her service, Vanessa started to experience what she called sexual harassment at her work. Now, the exact nature of what she experienced isn't really known because Vanessa chose not to disclose what was happening to her or who was harassing her. Uh, she did actually report to her family that she was being sexually harassed at work, but never identified who it was or who was harassing her, and she never reported it to her superiors. So it remained kind of a mystery, and even now, we don't we don't have no idea who it was that was that was harassing her but we know that for all intents and purposes it, there was probably someone on base that was actually harassing her sexually and her family became quite worried about her and were worried about her physical safety on the base uh, you know military installations they tend to have kind of notorious reputations for for how they treat their women and uh, a lot of times this kind of sexual harassment and this culture of sexual domination and how women are kind of viewed as objects and maybe less than their male counterparts, this is this has really become a very, very pervasive thing in the military. This is by no means an, an isolated incident. There were many people who suspected that a man who was in charge of an armory room nearby where Vanessa worked Specialist Aaron David Robinson was actually the one who was harassing her, but again, this was never proven because Vanessa never reported it to, to her superiors. So this is really just kind of speculation, and we'll go into how this was, this might have been even possible motive for her murder. Uh, we think that uh, there's a great deal of evidence that points to Specialist Robinson as being the person who actually killed her. Vanessa went missing on April 22, 2020. She was actually called into work that day, which was actually her day off. So she was at home kind of 
kicking back and relaxing, and she was actually called into work. Specialist Robinson, who was in charge of another armory nearby where Vanessa worked, was actually the one who called her in that day. Uh, Vanessa also worked in the base armory, but she was uh, posted in a different building than the one that Robinson had led. So there were actually two uh, armory buildings. Uh, Specialist Robinson led one of them, and Vanessa worked in the other one. So, being called in that day, Vanessa reported to the arms room where she was posted, and then headed over to Robinson's armory. So she reported to her regular assignment, uh, kind of dropped off her keys and her, her bag and her coat and everything, and then she walked across the uh, the little area there and reported over to Specialist Robinson's armory. She then left the arms room where she normally worked, her normal post, and she went to go to a second armory room. Now this armory room was headed by Specialist Robinson, and uh, he, she was sent there to uh, confirm some serial numbers for some weapons and equipment. And once she was in that uh, second room with uh, Specialist Robinson, she never returned to a regular post leaving her belongings in the original arms room where she was originally posted. So all of her belongings stayed in the first post where she went, and when she went over to meet with Specialist Robinson to get those serial numbers, she never returned to the original post where she was. While she was there in the second arms room with Specialist Robinson, it is thought that she was murdered. And there is some evidence or some speculation, I guess I should say, that Specialist Robinson is the one who was sexually harassing her. Uh, Sexual harassment in the military is a very, very toxic, very, very uh, pervasive phenomenon. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, people who think that, you know, the price of admission for women to be in the military is to have to put up with this crap, that is that is not accurate, that is not true, and that is not helpful, and it is not good to send that message out that women, if they want to hang with the boys, then that's just something they're going to have to put up with. That is... That's not how it's. That's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it is. Uh, another possible motive is that uh, Robinson was actually secretly having an affair with a woman named Cecily Ann Aguilar, who was 22 years old. Still, actually, is 22 years old. Who was the estranged wife of former U.S. soldier Keon Devante Aguilar? Uh, Vanessa may have threatened to actually report Robinson for the affair, which could have, of course, gotten him in quite a bit of trouble with his superiors. Um, I think that would fall under the line of something in the neighborhood of conduct unbecoming or, or whatever. Uh, Robinson claimed that the reason that Vanessa was at work at his post that day was so that he could give her paperwork and a serial number for a 50 caliber machine gun that needed to be serviced. So he, uh, in order to have her come in and kind of process that paperwork for this uh, 50 caliber machine gun that needed to be worked on, he called her in to the base on her day off. Robinson reported that uh, Vanessa, when once she had gotten that paperwork to get the uh, 50 caliber machine gun uh, serviced, uh, she left his arms room, the room that he was in charge of, and he thought that the next destination she would head to would be the base motor pool, which is where they service all the vehicles and where all the vehicles get logged in and tagged and maintained and that, that sort of thing. Uh, workers at the motor pool who were actually prepared to receive the paperwork from Vanessa claimed that she never showed up. So sh somewhere between arriving in Specialist uh, Robinson's armory room and the time that she was supposed to have been reporting to the motor pool, she was killed. Uh, her car keys, her barracks room key, her identification card, and her wallet 
were later found in the armory room where she was working earlier that day. So not Specialist Robinson's armory room, but the armory room that she actually reported on every normal day that she reported to the base. A search of Vanessa's phone records showed that Robinson was actually the last person that she texted and was one of the last persons to see her alive. Because he was the last person to see her alive, Aaron Robinson is the main suspect in Vanessa's murder. So she, we know that she actually reported to her main armory post, and we know that she left all her keys and all her belongings, her purse and everything, in that room where she normally worked, and then she reported over to Specialist Robinson's armory room, but she never made it to her next destination. So logically, this would say that unless she disappeared and was abducted somewhere in between, you know, the walk from Specialist Robinson's army room to the motor pool, then Specialist Robinson was the last person to see her alive. Because he was the last person to see her alive, Aaron Robinson is the main suspect in her murder. Vanessa was later found burned, dismembered, and buried in three shallow graves about 30 miles from Fort Hood. Her death resulted from being bludgeoned multiple times in the head with a hammer. Damn. Uh, bludgeoned multiple times in the head with a hammer. I, I can't imagine the amount of cruelty and brutality that it would take to kill someone by bludgeoning them in the head with a hammer. That is just unconscionable. That is just, that is borderline psychopathic. The ability to really traumatize somebody's body in that way. Um, I just, I, I, I can't really wrap my head. I can't fathom what it would take for someone to be able to, to do that. <clears throat> just the, again, the cruelty and the brutality of what happened to Vanessa is, is very, very shocking. Vanessa was a very small girl, basically. She was very, very young. And to be able to do that to someone is, I just, I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Um, Anyway, after allegedly, quote-unquote, killing her, uh, it's thought that, you know, Aaron Robinson was the one who did that since he was the last person to see her alive, and she was apparently killed in his armory room. He was the only one on duty that day. So we're going to kind of just assume that, that it was him who killed her, and we're going to kind of talk about what happened and how he was captured and things like that here in just a minute. So all all signs are, are really pointing towards... Aaron Robinson being the person who bludgeoned her with a hammer in <laughs> on a military base and disposed of her body. Uh, but again, that that's it, he never went to trial for it. He was never pr- proven guilty in a court of law, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yada yada yada, whatever. Let's just assume that Specialist Robinson is the one who did it. Uh, anyway, after after killing her. Robinson uh, stuffed her corpse, her, her dead body, into something called a tough box. Now, if you don't know what a tough box is, it's it's kind of one of those big toolbox things that, that kind of looks like an ice chest, those big ice chests uh, with the hinged lids that, that have wheels and kind of a handle. Uh, he stuffed her body in, inside one of those tough boxes, and uh, then grabbed the handle of the tough box and wheeled it out to outside and loaded it onto the the bed of his truck and then he drove off the base 
when he was later interviewed by CID agents, CID is the Criminal Investigation Division for the Army, uh, Robinson claimed that he went home after work the day of Vanessa's abduction and disappearance, and he has no idea what possibly happened to her. When last time he saw her, she was walking out the door headed towards the armory. But again, remember that she never made it to the armory. So between the time that she arrived at Specialist Robinson's armory post and the time that she was supposed to report to the uh, motor pool to have that, uh, I guess that's one of the places where she was supposed to go to next to have, you know, get some more serial numbers or whatever, to have those weapons serviced. Uh, between those two times, that is when that is when she was murdered. Robinson claimed that he remained home where he lived with Aguilar for the rest of the evening, except for a brief trip he made to the base to use a computer to sign up for some training. His appearance on base was later confirmed by two witnesses who saw him come onto base and go into the computer room. These two witnesses observed Robinson pulling a large tough box with wheels that appeared very heavy in weight coming out of the arms room where he worked. They then witnessed him load this tough box into his truck and drive away. The lid of this tough box was later found in a burn pit near the site of Vanessa's remains. A search of Robinson's phone shows that he called Aguilar multiple times during the night of April 22nd, which was the night of Vanessa's disappearance, and as late as 3.30 in the morning on April 23rd. He also received calls from Aguilar throughout the day. When asked why Robinson would call her after midnight if he lived with her, Aguilar actually responded that she couldn't find her phone and had him call it so that she could locate it. You know how sometimes if you can't find your phone, you'll have someone else call it so you can hear the ring and locate your phone? Well, that's what she said they were doing. However, this is, of course, inconsistent with the length of the calls, which were well over a minute long. When interviewed a second time, Aguilar admitted to lying to the authorities. She claimed that the reason she left home was to take a long drive to, quote, help her cope, unquote. She claims that she and Robinson went to a park in Belton, Texas to look at the stars and then went home. Cell phone data showed that on both April 23rd and April 26th, both Aaron and Cecily were in the vicinity of where Vanessa's body was later found. A burn site with disturbed earth, along with the burned remains of a tough box, probably the same tough box, that witnesses saw Aaron Robinson loading into his truck that had Vanessa's remains in it, was found in an area near where Robinson's phone had pinged. And when they when they pulled his cell phone records, they could prove that he was nearby. And this, of course, is the location where Vanessa's body was later found. So he had some difficult questions to answer, why he was there on the night that Vanessa had disappeared, and why his cell phone was proving that he was there right on the same site where Vanessa's body was found. The soil at this site was remarkably softer than the surrounding soil, and an odor of decomposition was also noticed here. So it was obvious that it had been dug up, and because it had been kind of disturbed when they were in the process of, of burying her, uh, this was this was pretty obvious because, you know, when you dig something up, uh, the soil is not nearly as hard and compact as the surrounding soil around it. And also the unmistakable odor of decomposition is very, very hard to, to cover up. When confronted with this information, Aguilar recanted her original story and said that Robinson had confessed to her that he killed a female soldier on April 22nd. 
He told her that he struck her with a hammer multiple times inside the arms room where she worked. Aguilar later said that the female, quote, never made it out of the army alive, end quote, and that Robinson placed her remains inside a box and moved her to a location near the Leon River in Belton, which is the city nearby where Fort Hood is located. Robinson then tried to set her remains on fire to dispose of her body. However, he quickly found out that the size of the flames and the smoke and the smell might actually give away his position, might draw attention to him, and people might come up and question and ask, what the hell are you doing? And so he quickly put out that fire so that he would not draw attention to what he was doing. He then took his cell phone and called Cecily Aguilar and asked her to come help him dispose of the body. Aguilar agreed. Robinson then left the site where he was out in the middle of the woods trying to burn and, you know, bury a body, went and picked up Aguilar at a gas station where she was working late April 22nd or early April 23rd and then took her to the site at the Leon River where he had unsuccessfully tried to burn her body. When they arrived, Robinson opened up the box and showed Aguilar Vanessa's body inside the box. Aguilar later confirmed to authorities that it was the body of Vanessa Guillen. Aguilar then told authorities that Robinson used a hatchet or a machete to cut up Vanessa's body so that it would be much easier to dispose of. After chopping her up and burying her in three separate holes, they left the site. They, got, they then got to thinking that they may not have disposed of her well enough and that she might be easily found. So a couple days later, on April 26th, they returned to the site where Vanessa's remain, where they had disposed of her remains and uh, decided that they would dispose of her much more thoroughly. They dug up her remains and tried to burn her again, but fearing they would again be discovered, they put out the fire a second time. They then put her back in the three holes and poured concrete that Cecily had acquired earlier that day from someone on Facebook into these holes to cover up what they had done. So not only did they try and burn her body twice, they dismembered her with a hatchet or a machete and buried her body in three separate holes. They then dug her up at a later date, tried to set her on fire again, and then buried her remains, her dismembered remains, in the same three holes that they had dug up before. They then poured concrete into these holes to try and kind of cover their tracks and cover up what they had done. They then removed home and burned the clothes that they were wearing while trying to burn and dispose of her body and went about their lives, confident they had covered up the crime. The site of Vanessa's remains were discovered about a month later by some local workers. Once Vanessa's body was identified, the Army quickly launched an investigation into what happened. Robinson was quickly identified as a main suspect based on witness testimony. Again, not only the, the fact that he was the last person to see her alive, but also the fact that he was loading that tough box into his truck and driving away. Robinson was subsequently held in his barracks room on base. A couple of days later, maybe a week later, he fled his barracks room. He basically escaped and left the base and became a fugitive from justice. Aguilar, under pressure from investigators, started working with CID agents. She placed a, quote, controlled, unquote, call to Robinson. I assume that meant monitored or, or, or bugged. Uh, during this call, he never denied anything that they did to Vanessa, so he kind of went along with it. Although he didn't actually admit to killing her, he didn't deny it either. 
Robinson then texted Aguilar photos of the breaking news story. So by this time, stories of the uh, the murder had kind of gotten out to the local media, and the media had picked it up, and were running stories about, hey, you know, this Army private first class has been brutally murdered. She's been missing for over a month. Um, her, her remains were found in the in the middle of the woods. And so Robinson, kind of on the run from the law, he started texting pictures of, of the story and kind of following the story and texting information to Aguilar. During another controlled call, Robinson said, quote, they are finding pieces, end quote, meaning they had discovered the remains. So he was kind of feeling the pressure and the people were, the investigators were starting to figure out things and, and you know, they had discovered the body and the heat was coming down. And again, Robinson was, was a fugitive. He was on the run at this point. So, you know, he texted Cecily and called Cecily pretty regularly. Again, you know, Cecily's phone calls were, were being monitored and they knew that Robinson knew that he was in trouble, that things were starting to kind of crack down. And this is, you know, kind of proof that, that he was involved and he was starting to, to get pretty scared. Um, Aguilar later helped investigators locate Robinson, who, after fleeing his barracks room and pretty much becoming a fugitive from justice, was on foot in Killeen and trying to evade capture. So he had kind of gone to the main city outside the base and was just, you know, sleeping in, you know, alleyways and things like that and just trying to, you know, stay one step ahead of, of the authorities and maintain his freedom and, you know, hopefully he thought hopefully try and get away with this or at least evade capture as long as he possibly could so he he didn't have a car he you know I'm not exactly sure what he did with his truck um why he didn't have that anymore but but he was he was walking around uh Killeen trying to keep a very very low profile authorities later located Robinson walking on the 4700 block of East Rancier Avenue in Killeen so they they found him uh, however, as officers approached to apprehend him, Robinson pulled out a pistol and shot himself in the head and was pronounced dead at the scene. So he kind of took the coward's way out. Uh, during this entire time, uh, Cicely Aguilar made some rather shocking Instagram posts. And if you're on Instagram, you can you can go to her account. Her account is still actually active. It's Cecily, C-E-C-I-L-Y, 5818. And you can go on there and kind of look at the dates of, of some of these posts and just kind of look at the the nature of the pictures that, that she chose to post during this time between when she had helped, you know, Robinson dispose of a very, very brutally murdered person, cut her up, set her on fire, buried her, and between the time that she was finally arrested and it's it's just again very very shocking how what what level she was on because a lot of these are very very uh almost sexual in nature and very very kind of almost borderline erotic um again i you know if if you're interested uh, she's she's still on instagram her her account is still active so go over there and check it out and see exactly what i'm talking about and a lot of her pictures are, are pretty much the same. So there are, you know, a lot of very eroticized pictures. And she definitely, you know, this is this is pretty much the nature of her entire account. 
almost every single picture that she has is very, very flirtatious in nature. And, you know, the, the post that she made during this time when she, you know, in the back of her mind, she knew that she had killed and dismembered and disposed of a corpse. They didn't change. They were still very, very sexualized in nature. So that kind of gives you a pretty good picture of where her head was at during this time and how almost detached she had to become to continue to post content like that on social media. However, once all this conspiracy and everything kind of came to light, her, her involvement with uh, with Robinson and kind of what they had done and you know she started again working with a lot of the uh, authorities the CID division and the local police and she she helped him track down Robinson and, and eventually find you know where he was but uh, you know when, once all of this kind of came out uh, she was charged with conspiracy to tamper with evidence uh, more specifically to quote corrupt alter destroy mutilate and conceal an object end quote with the intent to, quote, impair its integrity and availability for later use, end quote. Now, uh, I'm going to kind of go over the actual details of her indictment and exactly what is involved in, in the statement made by the one of the lead investigators and uh, kind of read exactly what he said the nature of this, uh, of this investigation entailed. I'm also going to post uh, the PDF of the... Uh, the indictment and the court documents on on our webpage, along with this uh, with this blog post uh, and podcast. So, uh, if you're interested, um, head over to our to our webpage and and take a look at that. If she is uh, eventually convicted of this, and the the trial is still ongoing, she hasn't been convicted yet. Uh, she could actually face up to 20 years in federal prison and a fine of up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is. Uh, quite a bit of money but again not nearly enough for what what she actually did now granted she didn't actually uh, kill Vanessa but she did actually help cover it up and uh, you know dispose of the corpse and and uh, try and set it on fire and things like that so again she is very very responsible for for what happened uh, equally so with with Aaron Robinson um, but uh, Definitely, she she needs to to face some consequences. There needs to be some justice um, done in this, and she was most definitely involved. When she went on trial or her arraignment or whatever, and uh, when she was asked by the judge if she actually understood the charges against her, she replied, quote, yeah, yeah, sure, end quote. Just kind of a very nonchalant, very uh, blowing this whole thing off like it's no big deal. Aguilar actually pled not guilty to the charges. She has no bond and will remain in police custody until her trial, determining her fate. The Guillen's family attorney, Natalie Quaham, or Quam, K-H-A-W-A-M, said that Aguilar attempted to flee the country and attempted to, to delete her Google account prior to her arrest. So she was a certainly a flight risk, apparently, uh, which is probably why the judge gave her, you know, no bond. Uh, Cecily Aguilar was indicted on July 14, 2020, by the Grand Jury of the Western District of Texas, Waco Division, on one count for three separate dates. Those three dates are April 22, 2020, April 23, 2020, and April 26, 2020. The charges were that she did unlawfully and knowingly combine, conspire, 
confederate, and agree with another person to corruptly alter, destroy, mutilate, and conceal any record, document, and other object, including the body of Vanessa, and did attempt to do so with the intent to impair its integrity and availability for use in an official proceeding. So it appears that the justice system, in this case at least, has worked out. It's done its job. Uh, Aaron Robinson is, is dead by gunshot by his own hand. And Cecily Aguilar, who helped him, has been indicted by a grand jury. Uh, she hasn't gone to trial yet, but at least, you know, there are there's sufficient evidence to warrant her going on trial for, you know, mutilation of a corpse. Uh, Vanessa was posthumously promoted from private first class to specialist on July 21st, 2020, because she had met time and service and time and grade requirements to merit the promotion. So she was given a promotion posthumously after she died, uh, which I, I guess that's good. Um, it doesn't really make up for the fact that she, you know, lost her life in a very brutal and very heinous way in a place where she should have been safe. And, you know, even though the, the sexual harassment was going on, you know, people have a right to, to feel safe at work, especially when you're working on uh, an, an army base. However, this has been kind of a, a dragged out thing by the by the army. Uh, the army kept giving her family the runaround pretty much the entire time of this investigation. Uh, it seems like the army was definitely trying to save its own ass and and cover up what happened, you know, under its own nose on its watch. And they they are continuously kind of blocking requests by. Uh, the Guillen family attorney to, you know, subpoena documents and, and you know, the there had to have been some kind of video cameras or, you know, some kind of documentation or, or whatever that uh, that would have shown exactly what happened. I, I can't imagine that something as high security as a U.S. Army base in the armory room, especially where all the munitions and all the guns and everything are kept, would not have some kind of, of video documentation or some kind of security protocol or measures that would keep that area quite quite secure. Um, it just it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense that the army would not be able to you know tell what what happened or you know what what went on during that time when Vanessa was inside the room with Specialist uh, Robinson. And I, I find it very, very difficult to believe that no one knows what happened. That someone didn't hear something, uh, someone didn't see anything. Uh, you know, if you bludgeon someone with a hammer multiple times in the head, there's going to be a big mess to clean up. And, you know, that stuff had to have gotten on the walls and just, you know, massive amounts of blood just everywhere inside that room. Uh, who cleaned that up? Did, did Specialist Robinson, when he went back to, you know, complete the training, did, was that when he cleaned it up? Did he clean it up between the time when, you know, after he killed her, be, before he, you know, wheeled that tough box into the bed of his truck and drove off for the day? Uh, that that had to have taken hours and hours to, to clean that room up, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense that that would have gone unnoticed, that no one else would have walked in the room no one else would have, you know, seen or heard anything, you know, her screams or, or you know, he missed a speck of blood behind a, you know, a, a counter somewhere that, that just, 
you know, with forensics the way that it is today, I just find that very, very, very difficult to believe that there is no no evidence or or anything that the army can use and and give that to her family and give them some some closure and give them you know some peace of mind that they are doing everything that they possibly can and that no you know leaving no stone unturned in in their you know mission or journey to get to the bottom of this and to figure out exactly how Vanessa died and when it happened and who did it because as of now it's it's still it's still kind of conjecture uh, no one you know really knows for sure that specialist robinson is the one who killed her but again you know all the circumstantial evidence and all the fingers pretty much point to that way especially you know with the aftermath of the you know the cell phones pinging in the area where her body was found and the communication between robinson and, and aguilar while robinson was on the run uh, a lot of that, you know, it, it makes him look very, very guilty. But again, I, I just find it very, very difficult to believe that there is no evidence whatsoever. There is, you know, no, no video or no witness testimony that that someone would be left alone in an armory room for that long to be able to clean up the the gruesome crime scene <laughs> that had just ensued. Um, it, it it really makes absolutely no sense and that's a big that's a big hole that her family's really trying to get to the bottom of and the army is just really making it very very difficult uh, for them to get the answers that they need and Vanessa's mother is, is so incensed and so put off and so rightfully pissed that she says she's gonna quote shut this base down unquote until she starts getting some answers from the army because you know the army is just really kind of giving them the big middle finger and you know really trying to cover up a lot of things you know I, I think you know the army kind of has a you know the armed forces in general you know big public government institutions it's definitely in their best interest to kind of keep this under wraps and uh, you know same thing with big corporations and, and anything that could be potentially damaged by a lot of bad press and the fact that they were so lax in their security and so um, lax in, in, you know, keeping an eye on what was going on right under their noses. Uh, it, it's definitely in their best interest to, to cover this up and keep this out of the limelight. And I'm sure they wish that, that the Guillen family would just kind of go away. But her mother is, is a spunky little woman. And she is, she's not, she's not taking no for an answer. She is really, really uh, doggedly pursuing the truth in this. And she's gotten a lot of media attention and she's brought it really into the forefront of the social consciousness of, of this, these past couple of months. And again, it's, it's gotten a lot of traffic, a lot of attention from, you know, YouTubers and bloggers and other podcasters. And this is something that, you know, they're painting murals in the city and, you know, the, the hashtag I am Vanessa Guillen is, is trending on Twitter, or it was it at one time. Uh, you know, celebrities like Selma Hayek and it's <clears throat> are really getting involved in this and bringing a, a lot of much-needed attention and kind of putting putting the screws to the Army to kind of bring this out and stop, stop covering their ass and stop, you know, uh, burying this in, in, you know, in, in an attempt to kind of make this go away because the family's not going away. They they really want, and frankly, they deserve to know what happened to, to Vanessa and to kind of get that closure and get that, um, 
much needed information so that they can put this behind them and move on with their lives. But as it stands now, um, it's it's really a very, very sad, very, very um, sickening ordeal. Uh, this, this whole thing that, you know, that Vanessa could be murdered directly under the noses of of such a public institution that, again, is, is in their best interest to, to cover up is really one of the things that's that's fueling the outrage behind this. And uh, that's a, a very, very good thing, I think, that, you know, the, the pressure, the social pressure being placed on them to bring this to light and to kind of come out from behind their their big curtain and and face what happened and not only you know for the the whole killing of Vanessa Guillen but also the whole culture of, of sexual harassment and toxic max masculinity that is pretty rampant in the armed forces today uh, Vanessa was was very uncomfortable and very almost it seemed scared uh, because she was she was not able to report this or I don't know if she was actually not able to but she definitely chose not to because she feared the consequences. And a, lo a lot of times, you know, these, these hyper-masculine groups such as the, the military, they're going to put a lot of pressure on women to, to stay quiet. And in this, uh, in this culture of, you know, sexuality and the whole Me Too movement and a lot of these things, you know, again, the, the, the times, they, they are a-changing. Uh, we have, you know, this culture in our country where, you know, women are starting to, you know, rise up and, and not take it anymore, which is, you know, of, of course, a very, very good thing. Uh, no, no woman should, should have to, to fear the consequences of speaking out when she's being uh, sexually abused or sexually harassed. So the Vanessa Guillen case uh, is, is really one of those that is shedding a light on a whole lot of things that are that are wrong in our culture and it sheds a lot of light on these things all at the same time so uh, hopefully you know this this gets picked up by a whole lot more people and the the Guillen family does gets the justice and the answers that they deserve because no one should should have to go through uh, not only losing a, a child but also not really fully understanding and not knowing exactly the nature of what happened to cause that. So that is the uh, the Vanessa Guillen case. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed hearing about this. Um, I'm going to post a, again the, the affidavit in the complaint form against Cecily Aguilar who of course is the only one who will face any kind of uh, recompense or any kind of punishment for, for Vanessa's death. Uh, so I will post that on the blog page on our website at reddoorinvestigations.com. So make sure you stop by and, and read up on that. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I hope you guys have enjoyed hearing about uh, Vanessa Guillen. Hopefully it has shocked you and disturbed you enough to where you will you know, join in the movement. And this is becoming a movement. Uh, this is, uh, you know, a lot like the George Floyd case, you know, that, that, you know, caused a lot of the riots and, and the, uh, protests that are, that are happening now. Uh, the Vanessa Guillen case is, is not quite the same, the same level, but it, it's, it's sparking a lot of, uh, outrage and a lot of action and movement from a lot of people in our culture.
to you know kind of bring this bring this to a close and, and help the Guillen family get some answers and get some resolve and be able to move on with their lives so hopefully this has uh, been informative and I wish you guys the very best and I hope that you make good choices and you know do your thing out there uh, be good to each other take care of each other take care of yourselves uh, this is the investigation guru podcast and I am Sean signing off <laughs>